0: Have you ever thought about the fact that we spend a whole month getting ready for Christmas, but Easter often seems to sneak up on us? Well, not this year. Easter is April 9th, and I have a special resource for you that will help you and your kids prepare your hearts for the celebration of our risen Savior. Welcome to Redeeming the Chaos. I'm your host, Laurie Christine. I'm an author, Bible teacher, biblical parenting coach, wife, and mom to four boys. This is the podcast for moms who feel a bit frazzled and overwhelmed by the responsibility of raising boys. I would love for you to join me on this wild, wonderful, chaotic journey of raising courageous boys and connecting their hearts to Christ. I was recently interviewed on the Connected Families podcast, and the host Stacy and I talked about the importance of family devotions and specifically the importance of helping our kids understand the significance of Easter. It was such a fun conversation. Stacy and I are both quite passionate about teaching the Bible to kids, and we had a great time making connections and talking about. Jesus and the Resurrection and the Eastern Narrative. So in today's episode, I am actually going to replay that interview for you here on Redeeming the Chaos. You can find a link to the original interview in the show notes. Just go to laurichristine.com forward slash 67, or you can go to connectedfamilies.org forward slash listen. If you aren't familiar with Connected Families, you need to go and check them out. They have so many amazing resources for families, all from a biblical world view. And you may remember a few weeks ago, I interviewed Lynn Jackson and Lydia Rex from the Connected Families organization, and we talked about how to parent your sensitive and intense kids. And I'll have a link to that episode in the show notes as well. You can learn more about Connected Families at ConnectedFamilies.org. So before we get to the interview, let's just chat for a minute about Easter. How do you prepare your hearts for Easter? Do you have any special family traditions? I know in my family, we often spend an entire month celebrating Christmas and getting ready for Christmas and reading Advent calendars and devotions and things like that. But for Easter, it often sneaks up on us because it's on a different date every year, and suddenly I would look at the calendar and be like, oh, Easter's next week, and I would pull out a bag of plastic eggs a few days ahead of time, and we would do a couple of days of, of devotions or something like that. Well, a few years ago, I wrote a family devotional for Easter to help my boys dig a little deeper into the events leading up to Jesus' death and resurrection, and it is called Come and See, 30 Family Bible Stories for Easter. This book is geared mainly for kids ages 6 to 12, but older children and adults will enjoy it as well. And there are swords, soldiers, stinky feet, and pigeon poop, so your boys will definitely enjoy it. Come and See invites families to experience firsthand the anticipation, the sorrow, the tragedy, the fear, and the ultimate triumph of Jesus' death and resurrection. Through the eyes of six eyewitnesses, you will be led on a journey through the busyness of the streets of Jerusalem, to the despair of Golgotha, and finally to the celebration of the empty grave. Come and see Mary's love poured out when she anoints Jesus in Bethany. Come and see Judas's cunning plan to betray Jesus. Come and see Peter's confused reaction when Jesus washes the disciples' feet. Come and see Nicodemus's confliction when Jesus is sentenced to death. Come and see John's agony as he watches his best friend suffer and die. Come and see Mary Magdalene's jubilation when Jesus appears alive once again. This book includes 30 short devotional stories, each with accompanying scripture references and questions for discussion and imagination. Use this book to create deeper connections with your kids this Easter as you read and discuss what it would have been like to experience firsthand the events of the Holy Week. And my prayer is that you might gain a deeper understanding of the love and life our Lord offers as you and your family prepare your hearts for the celebration of our risen Savior. To download your free copy of the ebook or audiobook, just go to Easterstory.faith. Here's my interview with Stacey Bellward on the Connected Families podcast. Hi, Lori. Hi, Stacey. Thank you so much for
1: having me today. So glad that you're on. We've had you on the list to interview for quite a while. And specifically because I know you just love talking about discipleship and how to lead your kids in a way that is winsome and brings them in to discipleship, to introduce them to Jesus and to have those faith conversations. So tell us about your family
0: and your four boys. Sure. I am a mom of four boys. My husband and I have been married for. 50- 15 years this summer, and our oldest is 12. We have a 12-year-old, a 10-year-old, an 8-year-old, and a 6-year-old. So we are right in the middle, right in the thick of raising these boys and figuring out what to do. And it's it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of work. There's always noise and adventure.
1: (laughs) But God gives us grace every day. Oh, I love it. I have two girls. So that kind of crazy boy (laughs) chaos, I don't know what that's like. But It sure sounds fun. <laughs> yeah. Let me just start out with the question. Why is it important for parents to take the primary role of discipleship with their kids?
0: Sure. That's a great question. I know it's tempting to send our kids off to Sunday school or to youth group and just expect them to come home with everything they need to know in their little heads. But the Bible actually gives parents a big responsibility in teaching them about the Lord and in training them in biblical teaching. One of the saddest verses in the Bible, Uh, I don't know if you've guys, guys have heard of this before, but it's in Judges chapter two. And It says that after the generation died, it was a generation of Israelites, after that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. Can you Mm -hmm. imagine an entire generation of people growing up and not knowing the Lord? How did that happen? Somewhere those people, you know, they dropped the ball. They didn't pass on their faith to the next generation. So we have such a big responsibility to pass that on to our children. There's another verse in Psalm 784, which is one of my favorites. It says, We will not hide these truths from our children. We mm-hmm. will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. So I I have kind of taken that verse as like a theme for my podcast and my ministry, just teaching our children about the truths of the Lord, about his glorious deeds and his mighty power and how he has worked in the past and how he has worked in our own
1: lives as well. I love those verses. And wow, that verse in Judges that you read is so sad. Just so, so sad because I think about the story of the Israelites and the generation before had seen the 10 plagues out of Egypt. They had seen the Red Sea part. They had seen the manna come down in the wilderness and feed them for all of those years. Yeah. And it reminds me of the verse in Deuteronomy 6. They had been instructed to teach diligently their sons and daughters to talk to them when they sit in their house and when they walk and when they lie down and when they rise up. They had been told that. So really they had been in disobedience by not teaching their kids.
0: And I think a lot of times parents don't understand or they underestimate the influence that they have in the lives of their kids, especially yeah. as your kids start to get older. Parents often think, oh, well, they don't think I'm cool anymore. They don't want to listen to me. But that's not true. They absolutely do. And as parents, we have the biggest influence in our kids' lives, whether they roll their eyes at us or not. We still <laughs> have that have that influence. And we want to be sure that our children are grounded in the truth of, of God's word. I was just thinking there are so many lies. There's so many lies in our world, in our society today, they're just bombarding our kids. And it's our responsibility to ground them in that truth so that when they go out into the world and they go, they go out into school and it used to be like, oh, when they leave home as an adult, no, they're facing those challenges today. Right now in elementary school, they're being bombarded with these lies. And we want to make sure that we are grounding our kids in the truth of God's word so that they can recognize those lies that are being thrown at them.
1: So we want to disciple our kids because God tells us to. It's kind of our role as parents. Yeah. And because we want to equip them, like put armor on them, help them as they go out into the world to understand, right, what is wrong? What's garbage that I need to just let go? And what do I grab and hold on to? And that's discipleship because the real truth comes from the word of God. I I love that. I love that. Are there other reasons why it's important for parents to take this primary role of discipleship?
0: Well, the two that I mentioned, I think that we said we have a responsibility. We want to equip our kids. And Mm -hmm. just following up with that, I was just thinking about how bank tellers, you know, when they're trying to study the counterfeit, money, you know, or they're they're learning about yep. counterfeit money and they're they're being trained to identify what is counterfeit, what is truth. They yes. don't study the counterfeit money. They study the real money and they know it inside and out. They know all the details. They know all of the little designs and all of the things so that they're able to recognize the counterfeit. So I think that's yeah. that's one of the things yeah. that that I'm challenged to do with my own kids, helping them to know. God's word mm-hmm. so well, and to be immersed in it so well that they are immediately recognize, oh, that's not true, or that's not right, mm-hmm. or that does not line up with God's word. So I love what you talked about, just equipping them and putting on that armor, putting on the armor of God. And we can talk about that a yeah. little bit later. I have a, a great resource for putting on the
1: armor of God. But you have lots of resources. We're going to have lots of links in the show notes today, everybody, to Lori's materials and some of the free resources and ebooks that we talk about. We're going to get to Easter and all of that. But I want to keep just digging into this a little bit more because doing devotions, discipling our kids can be really hard. And there are lots of reasons why it's a struggle. Can we just talk about that a minute here? Because we get it. We get that it can be a struggle. Like, yes, God told us to do it. Yes, we have to arm our kids, but that doesn't make it easy on a day-to-day basis. So what are some of those struggles?
0: Yeah, it can definitely be hard and it's easy to want to give up. Some of those things that can get in the way, you know, maybe your kids are aren't interested, or you may be concerned that you don't know enough about the Bible, or maybe your kids are going to ask a question that you don't know the answer to. And that kind of stresses you out a little bit. Maybe your kids just won't sit still. You've got lots of energy and it's like sitting down to read the Bible. Like I can barely get them to sit down to Eat their chicken nuggets, you know. <laughs> or maybe you don't know where to start. You just don't know what resources are available. It just feels overwhelming. Maybe your spouse isn't on board with you discipling your kids or or just doesn't yeah. really have any interest in in being part of that. So so many things I think that can I agree. become roadblocks to, to I agree. To, to I to
1: think, think even expectations, right? Like I sometimes <laughs> I think back maybe before we started our family, and it was these uh visions of the kids sitting down in the living room and you know all of us together and we were songs together and it just was this beautiful connective time with family devotions and i like i don't know about you Lori, but like that's we maybe had a few of those over the years for sure but most of the time it was not just lovely where everybody walked away feeling um oh, there were roadblocks for sure
0: i remember sitting, like trying to read a family, like a Bible story together. And one kid was screaming, one kid's running around without any pants on. One kid is standing on his head, John flips on the sofa and I'm just like, is anyone listening? Is anyone paying
1: attention? What is happening? <laughs> yeah. No, not now. I don't want to do it now or we're too busy or I have homework or how long is this going to take? Suddenly,
0: oh, right. Suddenly they're they're like, oh, I have to do my
1: homework. Really? Yeah, right. You know, you didn't care
0: about your homework ever before until we sat down to read the Bible. And now, now it's homework time. <laughs>
1: Yeah, or I know I found like different personality types with my kids, right? Like if you if you pulled a book somewhere of some devotion that said, Oh, you know, gather these few things to do this little craft, one of the kids loves it, the other one Oh, no, no. There's just issues and it can be hard and you got to just push through. (laughs) So let's talk about some ways to make family devotions. I say that in air quotes because I just feel like it probably has kind of connotations or pictures of exactly what that looks like. And so I don't know. But let's just talk about what is maybe family discipleship. Like how can we make that more engaging and exciting for our kids?
0: Sure. So, I agree. You don't have to call it family devotions. I've always kind of thought that was a funny name, I, but it's kind of stuck for, you know, for years, so it's not going away. But, yeah. you know, you could call it family Bible time or just family time or lots of different, you know, come up with something that's unique to your yeah. to your own family. And it can look different in every family. It doesn't have to look like everybody sitting around the table after dinner, folding their hands, listening quietly. You know, there's lots of different ways and different variations that this can take. And Stacey, I don't know if you want, like I, we can go into some of the, like some of the roadblocks and like specific, like what to do with some of those specific roadblocks. But I'll I'll talk in general, just about just some things in general that can make that Bible time a little bit more engaging. The first thing I would say is to be passionate. And I think it is so important for moms and dads, grandparents, caregivers, whoever is, whatever children in your life, for you personally to have an active relationship with the Lord. You know, our kids will see that in our lives. They'll see that in our hearts. And if we sit down and be like, well, guys, we got to do this because we're going to read the Bible, sit
1: down and be quiet. And. You know, pastor preaches Sunday a sermon on Sunday, and he t- he told me to sit my kids down. <laughs> yep, so we're gonna do it. You know, oh. they see that
0: they see that you're just doing it because you feel like you have to, and it's not really. Uh-huh. of your own life. I talk a lot about ministering out of the overflow of a full heart. So when we are full, when our hearts are full of God's word and full of his Holy spirit, it will be a natural overflow into the lives of our kids. And they'll be able to see that excitement in our own lives. They'll be able to see that passion. So I think starting there is really important because then when you do go to sit down and say guys like, Hey kids, I, I would love to share with you what God has been doing in my own heart. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Look, I read this in my devotions this morning and I couldn't wait to talk to you about it or I can't wait to share share what's happening with you. So that's kind of the baseline for getting started. And then, so just a very practical tip, you know, like if you're reading a story, or if you're reading from the Bible, read with expression in your voice, like as opposed to just reading monotone, you know, it's hard. I I have, a, as an adult, I have a hard time listening. If someone is reading in a very monotone voice with no expression, Yeah, I have a hard time paying attention. And actually like picking out what are they saying? But if you pause, if you're, you know, using different expression in your voice, even using different voices for different characters, you know, it doesn't have to be uh-huh. like this big theatrical production, but like put a little bit of energy into it. It will get yeah. your kids' attention. It will hold their attention so much more than just, you know, reading in monotone. So that kind of goes under being passionate. Another thing that you can do is to connect with what your kids already know. As kids get older and you sit down to-, to read a story with them or read a passage from the Bible, they'll be like, "Ugh, I know this already. We've already talked about this in Sunday school. We've heard it a million times. I, one of my kids, he was really little. He came home from Sunday school and he told me that they'd learned about Noah. And I said, oh, what did Noah do in your Sunday school lesson today? And he kind of, he rolls his eyes. He's probably like five or six. He rolls his eyes. He goes, the same thing he always does, mom. He built a boat. (laughs) I was like, well, yeah, that Noah doing the same thing in every story never does anything different. So I think sometimes our kids think that they already know everything about the story or they already know everything about the Bible. So start with that. Start and say, hey guys, I know you already have heard this story before. Tell me what you know. You tell me what you know. What do you know Mm -hmm. about Abraham? And then, you know, maybe make a list and then they're giving that information back to you. And then you can go into the story be like, let's see if we can learn anything new today. Let's see if we can look at this from a different perspective or find out something new about God from this from this story. And then also going along with connecting, making connections with the story is teaching your kids that the story of the Bible is one big story. Yes. It's not just individual little stories. Oh, here's the story of Daniel and the lions. Oh, here's the story of Noah and the ark. Here's the story of Moses and the burning bush. You know, they're all connected. They all are parts of a bigger story. And I think that helps the kids to engage. It helps them make those connections in their brain. You know, like they're kind of forming these little connections and it helps them to understand, oh, this goes at this part of the timeline when the Israelites had just left Egypt and now they're heading to the promised land. You know, they can kind of see it in their heads and and there's lots of resources available to to help with that. But I'm very passionate about teaching the Bible as one big story and helping kids to understand where those Mm -hmm. little parts fit into the bigger story. And that makes it exciting for them too, because then they're seeing the whole plan, God's whole plan of redemption, and they're looking forward. Oh, you know, Jesus is coming, the Messiah is coming, and and they're looking forward to this. And then he arrives. Lives. And it's so exciting because they've been looking forward to it for thousands of years. And right. um, so I think that that helps to to give kids some perspective and to give them a little more engagement in, in the story.
1: I think that it gives them like an awe for scripture because it's not just this cute little story that they colored pictures when they were three in preschool, but they're starting to see just how deep and wide scripture is and gives them just this. Oh, and hunger. I think, yeah, so I love that point. I know um, one of my favorites is Nancy Guthrie. She's a Bible teacher, but she also has some kids' books. And so her kids' books are just that. They show the thread of Jesus throughout the whole Bible. And so even parents, as you read that book to your children, you're going to learn the connections that you never knew. That's a so. great point, Lori. I love these ideas. Do you have more ideas on how to make discipleship engaging and exciting for our kids? Sure. Yeah. I have a few more.
0: One of them is to use object lessons. And I know some of you are hearing this thinking, oh no, but it does really help our kids engage in the lesson. You know, if our kids are actively engaged, if they're doing something with their hands or more of their senses are engaged, that will stick with them a lot more than just listening, than just listening to something. And it doesn't have to be every time. And it doesn't have to be complicated either. It can be very simple things. So just a couple of ideas. So for example, maybe you're reading the story about creation and how God created the world. Give everybody a lump of Play-Doh and say, hey, let's see if you can create an animal and see if you can make it come alive like God did. And it's like, oh, well, no, you can't. Well, what if you breathe into it? What if you breathe life into it? Does it come alive? No, it doesn't. Only God can create life. Only God can make something come alive. So just little little things like that. Maybe Jesus feeds the 5,000, spread out a picnic blanket and pass out like some crackers and Swedish fish and then just read the story together or tell the story together. Mm-hmm. You could have your kids, if your kids are into you know, acting, if you've got some little dramatic children in your family, have them act out the story. I will say my kids, I cannot get my kids to act out Bible (laughs) stories. They don't like being like on stage. They don't want to be the center of attention. So that's not one of the things we do and that's okay. But if that works for your kids, that's a great way to engage the kids. So, you know, If you're talking about Jesus calming the storm, you could build a boat out of sofa cushions and use blankets for water and make the storm come. Or if you're talking about Jesus is the light of the world, turn off all the lights and light a candle. So just really simple things like that to help them remember. There's a couple of resources that are not my resources, but they're really great for just hands-on activities for Bible times. One of them is a devotional by Tim Shoemaker. And it's called The Very Best Hands-On Kind of Dangerous Family Devotions. If you guys have boys, this is a great one for boys. You get to like blow stuff up and there's like fire. I don't even know what all they, what all they do. We looked through and my kids were like, when do we get to do the devotions when you get to blow stuff up? <laughs> so there, and then of course, everyone is tied into a biblical truth or a, a story yeah. of some sort. And then the other one that is, that is really fun is Kirk Weaver. And he has a whole bunch of family time activities. There's a I don't know, five or six or seven. And they're all for different age groups and similar kinds of things. Lots of hands-on family Bible lessons that kind of go through everything you need. It's very scripted and it's really easy to just pull one out and do
1: with your family. Yeah, I know there are many resources. So it's fun to hear. Like, if you like it, then I'm you know, wanting to try it. So thanks for those. Going back to the Play-Doh and because my mind is so much on sensitive and intense kids right now, the online course that we're launching right now, everybody heard about that at the top of the show, but it reminds me of my sensitive and intense kid and just how having Play-Doh, having something in her hand, you know, Back then, they're a little old. She's in college now, but it was like a fidget spinner or all of that. Um, Those were always so helpful. And it took me a few years to realize how important that was. Because right in my mind was the expectation, you sit still, you sit up, you show me your eyes show me you're engaged in, you know, this devotion. Like that's what it's supposed to look like. That's body language that I needed to have to feel good about our time that you're listening to (laughs) me. And wow, did I need to reframe that because especially that daughter needed to be like moving your hands a little bit or, or needed to wiggle a little bit more needed the times to be shorter. I can remember that was a big one too, actually, for me, it was like, like at one point in our family time, it was a hard time. It was actually when George Floyd was killed. It was during that mm. summer and it was COVID and all the struggles. And we just knew we wanted to hunker down as a family. And so I said, can we take some time and be together and pray each night? I knew it was a big ask, but I said, we're going to set the timer for 20 minutes. 20 minutes. That's it. When it's over, it's over. We're going to pray together and then you can go on. And so that was a really big one. And that kind of leads me to a question that I wonder, like you said, your oldest is, I think you said 10 or 12. 12. I wonder how what you've done with them has changed over the years.
0: Yeah, that's a good question. I used to think that, and I kind of used to feel like, okay, we all have to be together. All Uh of us as a family, we all have to sit down at the same time before bed. And like, it's the last thing we do for bed and we're all going to sit and listen. And over the years, I kind of realized that that wasn't working like that ideal, like everybody at the same time. So I, as my kids have kind of gotten older, the last maybe year and a half, I have kind of been doing some different things with my two older boys versus my two younger boys. So sometimes we will still do like a whole family thing, but sometimes I'll just do read something with my two older boys, because they're at a level where they can discuss things a little bit more deeply. They kind of have some different things that they're dealing with at school, that kind of stuff. So I will often go into their bedroom and read a devotional with them or read a Bible story with them. And then I might do something different with the little kids. And actually the two younger boys who are six and eight, I've been doing their Bible time in the morning before school. And that's been working out great. Cause I have a little bit more time. They get on the bus later, like an hour later than my older boys. So I have a, more time then I was like, I'm going to do this in the morning with them. And I'm going to do it in the evening with my other boys. And so having that flexibility of there's not one size fits all. Every kid no. doesn't have to look the same. Every family doesn't have to look the same. I think has been helpful. And it's been, it cuts down on the chaos a little bit. Like Mm -hmm. when they're all together, the energy just multiplies exponentially. And it is so hard sometimes to just reel everybody get back in. You know, one kid is, I've got one child who's got ADHD, actually probably two. And one of them has high functioning autism. And so sometimes, especially in the evenings, some of those behaviors just seem to like escalate. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so I I realized like if I separate them, if I do smaller groups of kids together, then that tends to work a little bit better.
1: So be flexible, see what your kids need, see what works. Don't be afraid to try something and then change it up. And that didn't work so well. Let's, let's do it different. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And sometimes I jump around from this book to that book to let's just, read something straight out of the Bible, or how about you read something straight out of the Bible or here, here, you read this division or here. So it's kind of, you know, we don't have like a super strict system, but I have some things that I love to do a little bit more than others, but yeah, we keep it fresh and we mix it up.
1: I like that. Why don't we move into Easter? Sure. And talking about that, I, I think probably when this podcast drops in early March, everyone's like, what Easter? That's like a month away or more. But we wanted to bring it up now because it's kind of the month working up to Easter. And so it's just a good time to start to prepare our hearts for a very important day in our Christian faith. Yeah, let's just talk about Easter compared to Christmas, which gets a lot more attention, I guess, in our world. Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah, and I love that you said, what? Easter's a month away. Well, when do you start celebrating Christmas? A month <laughs> yeah, away, yeah. you know, sometimes uh-huh. two months away. <laughs> I think for Christmas, we spend so much time in preparation, and it's cultural as well, but We spend the whole month of December and half of November getting ready for Christmas and preparing our hearts and leading up and, you know, all of the Advent devotionals and all of those kinds of things. But then Easter often just kind of sneaks up on us, I think, partly because it's a different day every year. But I think we often forget to have that same expectation and that same preparation leading our hearts up to Easter because Easter for Christians, for believers, is the culmination. It's like the ultimate celebration of our Mm -hmm. faith. And we know, you know, Easter is the celebration. We celebrate Christ's death and his resurrection. Jesus came as a baby at Christmas, and that was very important that he arrived at earth to begin with. But if it was just Christmas, if we only had Christmas, without Easter, our faith would be meaningless.
1: That's the point, isn't it? That's the point. Yeah, Without Easter, it would be meaningless. We wouldn't even have faith.
0: Right. Exactly. You know, a lot of people think that, oh, well, Jesus was just a really good man and he had a lot of moral values and, and he came just as an example of how we are supposed to live. Like, well, that's true but it's incomplete. If Jesus came and lived a great life and lived a perfect life and showed us how to live and then died, and that was it, we would have no faith. Our faith would be meaningless. There's even a verse in 1 Corinthians 12, 17. It says, if Christ had not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. So Mm -hmm. Christ's death and resurrection is so crucial it's like the the pivotal point to to the Christian faith
1: it's his shed blood on the cross that provided us a way to receive the forgiveness of our sins that there was no other way that we could have gotten that and that forgiveness of our sins allows us to be in relationship with Jesus and ultimately be in heaven with him and so that's why it's amazing like it's amazing because he conquered death. Satan brought death into the world in the Garden of Eden. For that, there wasn't any. And so when Jesus came, he is the only one ever who raised himself from the dead. And then I, I'm studying John right now, and it's just amazing. I just got through the triumphal entry and him coming into Jerusalem. And so now I'm studying the lead up until him dying on the cross. And over and over again, he talks about how he came to bring a abundant life. But that only happened because he died on the cross and conquered sin and death for us. And by believing in that, we can have that life eternal. It's amazing. Yeah. I love that you mentioned,
0: you know, Satan brought death back in Genesis. And back in Genesis, in the very first book of the Bible, in Genesis chapter 3, God promised... To Adam and Eve, that he would send a redeemer, that he would send someone to defeat Satan, to defeat and crush the the devil. And so that's why I love, we talked about earlier, I love making sure we understand the whole story of the Bible, you know, the cute little story of Jesus in the manger or the story of Jesus, you know, Jesus dying on the cross if you don't understand the whole history behind it and how this was the culmination, this was the fulfillment of God's promise Mm -hmm. thousands Mm -hmm. of years earlier. And how exciting that is that finally, finally we have the Redeemer. We have that person who Mm -hmm. conquered death. And all throughout the Old Testament, the Israelites had to offer sacrifices. They had to offer sacrifices for their sins because that was the only way that they could be right with God. In order to be right with God, they had to offer an animal sacrifice that somebody had to die in order to pay for their sins. And so over and over and over again, they were offering these sacrifices. And then finally, Jesus came and he offered himself as the final sacrifice.
1: So since I'm studying John right now, and I'm all excited about it, and I was digging into these things, then the other day, my daughter was saying, you know, I, my Bible class, she's in college, just, you know, uh, it's not so much. And I just want to dig deeper. And I mm. was able to show her what I had been studying. And it's so relates to right now. So I am just going to share it for everybody. Yes. Because, you know, when Jesus came into Jerusalem he was riding on the donkey that was around the Passover time. So as I dug into the Passover, right that was when Passover came from in Egypt. We talked about that. It's when they had to put blood over their doorposts. So God had told them bring the lamb in, keep the lamb, then you have to kill the lamb and use the blood, right? So on the day that Jesus was riding the donkey into Jerusalem was the same day that all of the Jews were going around going to buy their lamb to bring into their house for like three days before they would sacrifice it to celebrate Passover, which is when God didn't bring death. So can you get this picture? Like they're celebrating these events where God brought life to them when they were in Egypt. And here's Jesus writing in who's going to be the spotless lamb of God. Lori, that blew me away. I just was like, God, only you can do that. Only you can create this thread through the whole Bible and tie it all together in a way that is so meaningful.
0: Yeah. And then on the day that Jesus was crucified, that was the day that they were all sacrificing their lambs for the Passover. And Jesus died at that very moment. Yes. When they were sacrificing and it is amazing. It's so exciting just to see like, oh, he was the Passover lamb. Like he was the lamb that God sacrificed so that we no longer have to offer lambs. We never, no longer have to offer sacrifices for our sins because we can put our hope and our trust in Jesus as the ultimate final sacrifice. But like we said, he didn't stay Dead. He didn't stay in the grave. God right. raised him from the dead, and when he yes. did that, every single promise that Jesus had made, every single statement Have that he had made, every claim that he had yes. made about himself, it was like saying, "See, I am who I told you that I am. I told you that I was the Messiah. I told you that I was the Son of God, and mm-hmm. now this just is like this God's stamp of approval because yes. He came back to life."
1: Oh, I love it, and I love it. I just love talking about all this. It's why I love the Bible. It's why, yeah. It's it's how you talked about it from the very beginning It's the passion that you have yourself yeah, that you can pass on to your kids. And I know I'm sure everyone just heard all the passion in my voice because it's kind of fresh and all this learning was new and it was fun. Yeah. But I would just like to say about that for a second is that even if you read just a verse or it's just a small bit of passion, but it was a kind of a new understanding or it just affected, you know, your heart that day share that with your kids. It doesn't have to be huge passion. Whatever passion you have for the day, pass that on to your kids. Absolutely.
0: (laughs) And, you know, if you feel like you don't have that passion, ask God, ask God to give you a desire to study his word and to give you a desire to know him more. There's a verse, oh, and I don't remember the reference, but it says, God is working in us. He will give us both the desire and the power To do what pleases him. Not only will he give us the ability, but he'll give you the desire. He'll put that desire in your heart to do what pleases him. So it's good. I often
1: pray, Lord, make us hungry, hungry for you, hungry for your word. And there's so many resources out there for people to start small. It's a good place to start. So let's talk about your resource. Sure. Come and see 30 family Bible stories for Easter. I love how you put this together. So why don't you talk about your resource and then how families can use it?
0: Sure. So this is a free resource that you can find on my website. And if you go to easterstory.faith, that's an easy way to remember where to find it. You can download your own free copy. You can read it as an ebook, as a PDF. If you want to print it out, you know, I love having something in my hands to, to read to my kids. You're welcome to do that too. It's 30 short devotional Bible stories. So if you start 30 days before Easter, you can read one each day leading up to Easter. And then each story has scripture references and then questions for discussion. And a lot of times the scripture passages kind of pull in like something from the New Testament or something from the Old Testament, something that just adds to the story. It's not just like, here's where you can read this, this part of the story. It's more like, how do we apply this to our lives and how is it connected and in, in- other parts of scripture. So the stories themselves, they read like like a novel, kind of like chapters in like a, like a chapter book or a storybook. You will be in the hearts and the minds of these characters. So there's six different eyewitnesses to Jesus' death and resurrection. And it kind of rotates through each of them, takes different parts of the story, and then it might come back to the same character and you see his perspective, but it walks through the whole, all of the events of the week leading up to Jesus' death and resurrection. So you start with Mary, the sister of Martha, when she anointed Jesus before his death. And then you see Peter, John, Judas, Nicodemus, and Mary Magdalene. And those six characters kind of just take turns telling their perspective and telling their part of the story.
1: I love some of the titles, Lori. I can hear different age kids would love different titles, right? So Evil Plan. I can, ooh, that one's going to be appealing to some kids. But also the Stinky Feet one is going to yes. be a funny one for kids too. Stinky Feet. I think there's one about pigeon poop. <laughs> (laughs) Yeah, it's really creative. Yeah. So it's Um,
0: fun. It's engaging for kids. There's a little bit of humor, but it also just helps them to see the Bible in a new perspective. It's not something that happened in a galaxy far, far away. You know, these were real people who had real feelings and real relationships right here on planet Earth. And Hmm. I just want kids through these stories to be able to see and understand, oh, yeah, these were real people. And this was a real event that happened and they probably were really sad or they were probably really excited. And then just through that to help the Bible come alive and to help them see God's exciting plan that we've been talking about. You know, we're so passionate about God's plan of redemption through, through those stories. And so that unfolds as well through the, through the different stories.
1: That's great. Somewhere I came across audio versions So you you read them. So it's like a podcast. So, hey, a family could be driving in the car and they could turn that on. And as a family, they could listen to it.
0: Yes. Tell us
1: about that, Lori, and how people could get those.
0: Sure. So I read the stories. I read each chapter and I I did them as part of my podcast. So it's like, and and Stacey, I'll just I'll give you probably the easiest thing to do would be to give you a link to to find them because it's not like one nice little okay. compact audiobook that you can just pull up on your phone. They are episodes in my podcast and they're like back towards the beginning. There's 30 episodes that I went through and I read each one. So yeah, so you are more than welcome to, you know, if you go into my podcast, scroll way back to the beginning and you'll find all of those episodes. It's called Come and See. And you can, yeah, you can listen to the audio versions. My kids enjoy that. It's funny because I you know, it's my voice, but my kids even enjoyed listening to the audio version of me reading as opposed to me yeah. reading to them. So yeah.
1: So <laughs> pop on the podcast, print off, print off the sheets for your next, you know, little trip or a time, and then you can have the conversation or or listen to the podcast in the car. And then later in the day, when everyone is like maybe getting ready for bed or something, then that yeah. might be a way to use it. But and I was um, gonna say
0: too, the stories are pretty short. Some of them are just like a paragraph, some of them are a couple paragraphs, some of them a little bit longer. So if you're listening to this a little bit closer to Easter and, you know, maybe that's only a week before Easter and you're like, oh, well, too late. I guess I missed out because it's 30 days. There's still time. If you download the ebook, I will send you a couple of different reading plans. And there's one that's that's a little bit more consolidated. You know, you can combine a couple stories into one day and it's not too much. It's not overwhelming. So, so you can definitely still get a hold of that.
1: Yeah. I love that. And I know a lot of our listeners follow Lent and Lent is more days, your resources for 30 days, but you know, Hey, we need grace because we're maybe not going to do every single day of Lent. So we felt like this resource was very applicable. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it could definitely, the
0: only reason it's not called a Lenten resource is because I didn't, I did 30 days instead of 40. Yeah.
1: Oh, I love that. It gives little grace (laughs) to us and our schedules. And so this is so good. Lori, thanks for this conversation today. I know that discipling our kids, even though we're disciple, can feel heavy and can Mm -hmm. feel big. And I really hope that today we lightened that. We took the pressure off a little bit. We acknowledged it can be hard, but Let's be flexible with ourselves and with our kids and let's bring passion at whatever level we have to how we talk to our kids about this. We talked about sitting together, doing crafts, popping it on the stereo in the car and doing it in the car. And so that's kind of the message that I just would like to leave today to leave our podcast with is. It's just that, hey, we can have conversations as we walk with our kids and lay down and just live life. And other times it is, let's sit down in the living room. Let's do a more organized event. But really, discipling our kids is a mixture of both as we parent them and go through our our days, our weeks, our months, and our years. And so thank you, Lori, for being with me today and just bringing richness and and depth to this conversation. We appreciate you and your ministry.
0: Well, thank you, Stacey. I really appreciate being here, and I really enjoyed this conversation. Well, I hope you enjoyed my interview with Stacey Bellward on the Connected Families podcast. You can find a link to the original interview in my show notes. Just go to lauriechristine.com forward slash 67. And just a reminder, if you would like a free ebook copy of Come and See, 30 Family Bible Stories for Easter, go to easterstory.faith. I also have reading plans available for you to download. And actually, I will send you a reading plan as soon as you sign up and download the the original story. And if you start reading chapter one on March 15th of this year, you will finish with the story of the resurrection on Easter Sunday. And then you'll finish up your reading a few days after Easter. So it's actually not 30 days before Easter. There's about 25, 26 days leading up to Easter, and then there's four days after Easter that following week. If you are listening to this episode in the future after March 15th, don't worry. I also have a condensed one-week version of the reading plan. So if you are just a few days before Easter and you're thinking, oh shoot, I missed it, it is not too late. So go to easterstory.faith and download the book and I will send you that one-week version of the reading plan that will help you get through the stories a little bit faster. The chapters are all fairly short and will take less than 10 minutes to read a chapter. So you're welcome to double up on some of those chapters if you need to. Also, something new for this year, I have an audio version of Come and See. This is a great resource for you to listen to with your kids in the car while you're driving or even just listen to at home while your kids are playing or something like that. I did have an audio version available in the past, but it was a little tricky to listen to because you had to click on 30 different podcast episodes in order to listen. But now I have the whole book available in one nice, neat package for you to download. And you can find a link to the audiobook at easterstory.faith. Just scroll down to the audiobook section. Thank you so much for joining me for this week's episode of Redeeming the Chaos. You can find the show notes to this episode at lauriechristine.com forward slash 67. You can download your free copy of Come and See 30 Family Bible Stories for Easter at easterstory.faith. And I hope you have a wonderful time together as a family as you prepare your hearts for the celebration of our risen Savior.